Welcome to Adventology, the podcast dedicated to helping you be ready for Jesus. Here now is the host of Adventology, Travis Walker. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Adventology. As you know, everything we do in this podcast is designed to help you be ready for Jesus. And on today's episode, we are going to be covering last day events as well as the Battle of Armageddon. And of course, the reason we are covering these topics is what is happening in the world today in the Middle East. You know, it was just 10 days ago we learned about that horrible terrorist attack in Israel resulting in uh, over a thousand people losing their lives and many others being taken hostage. We have seen the result of Israel declaring war and um, the humanitarian crisis now that we are getting news reports about every day. And honestly, with these types of scenarios, nobody wins. I mean, this is awful. It's something we should all be praying for. It's not something we should be using for propaganda, for our own issues, for our own agendas. But we really, truly need to understand that as Christians, people come first before our ideas. And I think that's why I felt compelled to write this episode. Because we need to understand the truth if we're going to make sense of what's happening in the world today. So I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. But before we get into that... I just want to remind you, if you haven't done so already, to please rate and review this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you can leave a five-star rating and maybe a one- or two-sentence review, that really helps others find this podcast and enjoy it just like you have. And uh, don't underestimate that little review and the effect it has on helping this podcast grow. Because if you love it, why not share it? And I really appreciate putting these episodes together. And I love hearing back from you guys. So if you have a question or comment, please reach out to me. You can email me at travis at adventology.com. You can follow me on my Instagram at Pastor T Walk. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you soon. All right. So let's get right into the topic at hand. As you know, This is not anything new. We've been hearing about wars in the Middle East since all of us were little. We've been talking and praying about peace in the Middle East. It's something that has become part of our pop culture to a large degree. And it's because it's so personal to each and every one of us. I mean, you have these three great religions of Christianity, Islam, and Judaism that all claim the same father, Abraham. And so we really have a lot more in common with each other than we have different. But as you know, because of human nature, because of sin, we tend to focus on the things that were different. And a lot of times those differences result in conflict and war. And when you have that happening on a generational basis, going back thousands of years in some cases then there is a lot of passion, there's a lot of feeling, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of 
hope. But ultimately, that hope has to be based on the truth. And if we're basing hope on something that isn't true, then we're ultimately going to be disappointed. And so what is the truth about Armageddon? What is the truth about last day events? What is really going to happen in the Middle East or anywhere for that matter right before Jesus comes? Well, we're going to get into that. And the best way to do that is by looking at the timeline. We're going to be looking at two parallel timelines. We're going to be looking at the timeline of the church leading up to and through the Great Tribulation leading up to the Battle of Armageddon. And we're also going to parallel that with the world and how those two arcs kind of come together. And they're related but different. And I think when we understand both these timelines, then we'll be able to correctly interpret world events, and particularly when it comes to the Battle of Armageddon. All right, so let's start with the church. And we're going to read from the Bible, Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And it says here, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth, because you say, I am rich, and have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So right here we find a curious passage. You might be wondering, what does that passage have to do with final events? Well, let me explain. You see, the seven churches in Revelation are also on a timeline. Each of the seven churches were literal churches that existed in Turkey, Asia Minor, back in the Bible times. But each of those seven churches also have prophetic significance, and their descriptions relate to different time periods in church history. And so naturally, the seventh church, the Laodicean church, would relate to the church that exists on earth right before Jesus comes. And so by reading the description of this church, we get an understanding of the condition of the church. And by doing so, we can have a better understanding of where we are today. So according to this passage, then, we see that the church in the last days is lukewarm. It is neither cold nor hot, it is lukewarm. And so that has some significance. And I think that's why Christianity gets criticized as much as it does today. Because basically what Jesus is saying here is the church in the last days says one thing and does another. They believe with their mouth, but their lifestyle says something completely different. And we can see then that the church is truly hypocritical in the last days. And so Jesus is about to spit them out. That is a metaphor for judgment. Spitting you out would mean that you are no longer in Christ and therefore no longer saved. So this is serious. This is God trying to get our attention. 
And most of us, I would say all of us, have grown up and lived through this era of church history. And so it's understandable that some of you may have had one of those experiences like Jesus, right? That you just felt like the church was lukewarm and you just wanted to spit it out. And I'm sorry if that's an experience you've had. But just know that Jesus also feels the same way you do. You know, the church doesn't always look the way we want it to look. And generally speaking, it is not in a great condition right now. But there is hope. And Jesus makes it clear that this is not an acceptable condition and he is not going to allow the church to remain in a lukewarm state perpetually, right? There's going to come a point where Jesus initiates something in the church that causes everyone in it to either become cold or hot. Hot meaning on fire, hot meaning revived, hot meaning that they are truly all in, and cold meaning that they are no longer pretending to be Christians anymore. They are separating themselves from this movement and This is what is going to happen, but we're not there yet. And so simultaneous to this condition of the church, we need to look at what is happening in the world. So right now the church is lukewarm. God is not happy with it, but there is hope for a change in the future. Now, in the world, then we go to Matthew chapter 24, and we can begin to read and learn about some of the signs that Jesus said we should be looking forward to right before he comes. And so it says here, starting in verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So according to that passage from Jesus, we see there are several things that are happening in the world, generally speaking, right before he comes, right? There's religious deception happening. And he also tells us that there's going to be a lot of political unrest, wars, and rumors of wars. So what is happening in the Middle East right now is in line with what Jesus said we should be looking for, that the sign of his soon coming is that there will be wars and rumors of war. Um, But you may be wondering, well, how do we know that this isn't the battle of Armageddon? Well, we'll get to that. But notice here that not only are we to be looking for wars and rumors of wars, but in the passage we also saw that there would be a lot of natural disasters increasing in frequency and intensity as we look forward to the soon coming of Jesus, right? How do I know it's going to increase in frequency and intensity? Because he compares it to labor pains. And we know as we get closer to a baby being born, Labor pains do not decrease in frequency and intensity. They only increase. And so Jesus is telling us that when we see these fires and hurricanes and earthquakes and tsunamis and famines, that these are signs 
that Jesus is coming soon, right? It's not global warming. That's not what's causing it. God is allowing these things to happen because he wants to wake us up. He wants us to see that this world is falling apart and that it's time to reconnect with God and repent and give our lives to him. These signs are there to help us to see that this world is not our home, that heaven is. And so many are wondering, will Iran, will China, will Russia get involved in this other war? Will the United States... Will the European Union, you know, how many people are ultimately going to get involved in this war? And nobody wants to go to war, and myself included. So I believe that we need to be praying for God to provide a solution because, as we're going to see, we're not close to the end quite yet. So that's where we are in the timeline. Uh, we, the church is lukewarm, and the world is in this time of the beginning of sorrows. All right, so then what happens? Let's keep reading. In Let's go back to Revelation chapter 3, 18 and 19. It says here, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. All right, so what Jesus is predicting here is that this lukewarm condition is not going to be permanent. There's going to come a point where this message from Jesus, this message to Laodicea works a revival in the church, right? He's calling the church to wake up, to put on the eyesight, to put on the righteousness of Jesus, to buy the gold of the character of God. And so all these things together are going to create people that no longer reflect the world, but reflect Christ. And this is going to elevate the church from a lukewarm condition into a on-fire condition. And this is necessary. The Bible predicts this latter rain in the book of Joel. You find that the whole chapter 2 there is a prediction of what happens on the earth when this revival begins to take place. And, And God's people begin to wake up and the truth begins to infiltrate the heart, not just the mind. And the people begin to take ownership of the duty that they've been given to do, which is to share the gospel with the world to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. And we see that Revelation predicts this time period as a loud cry, preaching and teaching the warning message of the third angel that the world needs to repent and to keep God's commandments. And this is the description of God's people during this time. They keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And we haven't got to this point yet, but when we do, the Bible says that it's going to require patience. Here is the patience of the saints, right? Because even though the church is going to wake up, guess what? Not everybody's going to be on board because a good majority of the people that were in the church are not going to receive this message from Jesus, and they're going to leave. 
they're going to become cold. They are no longer going to associate with the church. In fact, many of them will make the church their enemy. And so this is what has to happen, right? Everyone has to get off the fence in the church before Jesus can come. Everybody has to take a position. Everybody has to publicly state where they stand. And by doing so, there are very real consequences, right? Because God is calling his people into a intimate relationship with him. He wants us to follow him wherever he goes. And the 144,000 are this group of people represented as sharing this gospel with a loud voice all around the world. Eventually, they are sealed um, by the Spirit of God. Um, But we also see that this uh, revival in the church has a direct correspondence with what Jesus predicted in his sermon from the Mount of Olives concerning the signs of his soon coming. Let's go back there, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 9. It says here, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. So, as you can see, something shifts in the world as a result of the revival in the church. Because up to this point, the world has been fighting with each other, right? Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And so God's people have been kind of ignored. I mean, they have been kind of under the surface. Matthew 25 describes them as sleeping during this time, right? And so the world has not really had to take Christianity seriously because it hasn't been a serious organization. It's been sleeping. It's been lukewarm. It hasn't really lived up to the hype. Most people don't even live what they say they believe. And so the world has moved on from Christianity. We live in this post-Christian world for the most part. But that doesn't mean they've forgotten about it. It just means that there are lots of different versions and perversions of Christianity, along with all the numerous other types of belief in the world today. But here we see, because Christianity has now taken the world by storm, because this true Christian movement is something that stands up and refuses to be dismissed, then the world must unite together in opposition against it. And so this brings the world together. In fact, Revelation 13 predicts this, that all the world will follow the beast, except for those whose names have written in the Lamb's book of life, slain from the foundation of the earth. And so we know that as the world unites to oppose this group, they have to find a leader. And the leader, of course, is the counterfeit movement of Christianity known as the Antichrist. Now, we've talked about the Antichrist. We've talked about these last day movements in previous episodes. So I want to encourage you to check out episode 25 and episode 30 if you are not familiar 
with these prophecies, specifically in Revelation 13 and 14, they will help you because I don't have time to cover them in today's episode. But as we see, as the world unites, then we see that they turn to begin persecuting God's people. And the love of many grows cold, like we said, because they are no longer lukewarm, they're cold. Uh, the love of God has, has left their hearts. And now it's all an existential crisis from their point of view. They see Christians as pointing to the destruction of the earth. And instead of viewing it as a message of hope, they view it as a message of hate. And so they turn their wrath on the church of God. And so we continue reading in verse 21 now of Matthew chapter 24. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. You see, so many people are confused about when the great tribulation will take place. But according to Jesus, it's very simple. It'll happen at the close of probation, right? Because although the elect are tempted to be deceived and compromise the truth as a result of the persecution and deception that comes upon the world during this time, they are not. Why? Because they have been sealed. And the wicked at this point have received the mark of the beast, And so what happens then? We see the plagues of Revelation, otherwise known as the seven last plagues, described in Revelation 15 through 19, begin to take place only after the world has been divided into two. Those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus receive the seal of God, and those who receive the mark of the beast are those who've rejected the faith of Jesus and the commandments of God. And so why is this important? Because when we look at the great tribulation described in the book of Revelation, Armageddon is mentioned in that description. And Armageddon is mentioned according to the sixth plague. So that means we have five plagues that come to the world before we get to the battle of Armageddon. So as you can see then, When people begin to start talking about Armageddon happening right now, it is completely taken out of context to what the Bible teaches, right? Because we see that Armageddon happens after the close of probation and after the first five plagues are poured out on the earth. And trust me, you would know when those five plagues come because they are going to affect all those who do not have the seal of God. And there is a lot of other persecution happening during that time. Revelation 13 tells us that all those who do not have the mark of the beast are not allowed to buy or sell. And then ultimately they receive the death penalty. So at some point during this time, there is a death decree that goes out to all those who have not conformed to the world, have not conformed to this one world policy that has come into effect. And it's at that very moment 
when the world has completely turned on God's people and are getting ready to execute them that we see the battle of Armageddon take place. Because the battle of Armageddon is not a battle between nations. It's not a battle between Christianity and Islam or Judaism and Islam or or Christianity with any other world religion. It is a battle between Christ and the angels of heaven and Satan and the wicked men here on the earth. And that's it. Why? Why is Christ coming? Because he's coming to rescue his people, his church, his bride that they have threatened to kill. And because of that, he's coming with the armies of heaven. It's described in Revelation chapter 19 in detail. Um, But one of my favorite descriptions of the Battle of Armageddon is actually in Revelation chapter 6. And it says it this way, starting in verse 14. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? So as you can see, the battle of Armageddon is not a battle between two equally powerful foes. No, the battle of Armageddon is a slaughter. I mean, there is not even a chance that the wicked or Satan or anyone who has opposed God stands up to God. In fact, they all run and hide and ultimately they are destroyed by the brightness of the coming of God. And this is the battle of Armageddon. The battle happens as God comes to rescue his people. And so Jesus is trying to get your attention today, not to fight in a war with guns, but to fight the battle of faith with the word of God and with the truth. And when you have the word of God as your sword and you have your faith as your shield and you have the truth as your belt and you have the helmet of salvation around your head and the breastplate of righteousness around your chest and you have the shoes of the gospel around your feet, friend, then you are ready for Jesus to come, right? Because everyone who's ready for Jesus is going to participate in this great revival that is soon to take place. And this great revival is going to be the perfect blend of truth and love, of grace and law, of justice and mercy. You see, that's what God wants to instill in his people today. That's what God wants to do for you, right? But you got to pick a side. You can't keep sitting on the fence. And although the world is going to try to get you to pick a side in this battle in the Middle East, let me encourage you to pray for everyone involved. The Bible says that we are to love our enemies. And sometimes we don't even know who our true enemies are because the Bible says they can even be in our own household. And they will be as things get worse and worse toward the end. And so today, let me just encourage you to hold on to Jesus. And whatever struggle you may be facing in your life, know that he will carry you through and he will carry 
this world through, even though it's a struggle, even though there's a lot of pain and suffering right now. And I don't understand it. I'm not going to try to pretend to understand why these things are happening. But we do know they are happening. And we do know that Jesus cares and he loves all people. He doesn't hate any race or religion. He has died for each and every person. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So no matter what you believe or somebody else believes, God's choice for us is always to love them and pray for them. All right, well, thanks again for listening to another episode of Adventology. Be ready for Jesus. Speak life, live love. Until next time. Maranatha. You gotta stay awake cause nobody knows a day or time. No, the trumpet's gonna blow and the skies are gonna open wide. Oh yeah, he's coming for us just like he told us. It's been a long wait but there's a new day. And we're gonna sing hallelujah when the king arrives. Oh, you know you gotta keep your head up. Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back.